So we're back. NBA pod here. Got a little little switch up. Um, I'm here with Jared. Uh, he's a big Sixers fan from from New Jersey, correct? Yes, sir. So, am, I, am I the third ever host? Yeah. First guy go. that's not me or Mike. There we go. Yeah. Um, so today we're just talking Celtics, my team, and Sixers, Jared's team. Um, we're going to talk about some trade scenarios, uh, our, our respective opinions on the team, how we feel about them, and then uh, a couple extra rule changes, other things happening in the NBA as we go along. So uh, today is Monday, November 8th, and we saw this morning uh, Shams came out with a little report. I don't know how I feel about it, but the report said that Ben Simmons and the Celtics are connected in trade talks. Is this BS? Is this true? Who knows? But, you know, if Sham's reporting it, it, it has some, some smoke behind the fire. So, Jerry, what do you think about it? Yeah, I uh, have, a, have a lot of Celtics fans, obviously, and um, Simmons has not performed well against the Celtics over his career. Uh, all my Celtics friends pretty much think as lowly as you can of the player. And uh, yeah, I had a fun time sending, sending all my Celtics friends that tweet and just letting them know that no franchise is immune to uh, the desires of Ben Simmons. And uh, yeah, that, that was a, that was a fun morning. And then of course we had Jalen Brown news that he's out two weeks and then Sixers COVID news. And it's been a crazy morning, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about the sort of the fit with Ben on the, the Celtics. I don't really think there's any true possibility that it happens for so many reasons. Um, but yeah, I, I guess from your perspective, do you think in a, in a scenario where Ben is on that Celtics team, um, how do you think it works? Let's just assume, let's just assume the Celtics could somehow sign sign him outright, um, you know, remove all the contract situations. Um, I guess, what do you think of the fit there? So it's, it's all about the trade package for me. First off the top, as a Celtics fan, I'm vetoing it as much as I can until I see the package. Um, here's, here's the bright side of it. The Celtics do need a ball handler and a ball mover. Uh, which Simmons is, they need someone who's going to sacrifice. But it's like, what are they giving up? As a Sixers fan, do you think you're going to get Tatum? Do you think you're going to get Brown? Think that's a possibility? Don't think Brad Stevens has the. Uh, don't think Brad Stevens would do that. Don't think he should do that. So, no, I don't yeah. think so. I yeah, think I don't, uh, I don't think so either. Yeah, I think Ben and Ben and Marcus Smart get compared a lot as as two guys who just do, you know, incredible defensive players, first team, all defense type of guys. Um, Marcus was playing a lot of point guard in the last few years. I guess they're similar in that respect. Um, but Marcus is getting paid a fourth of what Ben gets paid. Right. Um, that could be sort of a natural um, sort of trade partnership between those two, but obviously the salaries would not work. Mm -hmm. um, if you guys had number eight, your point guard still there, maybe. Maybe we could have uh, swapped point guards, but he's uh, he's True. over in New York. He's over in New York, uh, destroying the Sixers tonight, actually. But uh, yeah, there's really no way this trade works. Um, don't think Horford's. I guess Horford's making a ton still from the Sixers deal. Yeah. I don't think the yeah. Sixers want to take that back. Um, yeah, I don't think there's too much teeth to it. Like you said, I think uh, Ben on that team, you know, being able to move the ball could be could be great for them. Um, Brown, Tatum, Simmons, Horford. It's pretty, it's pretty lethal defensively, pretty much switching everything. Mm -hmm. um, we'll sort of get into the Celtics this year. I'm not sure what they're doing defensively with, uh, with Smart and Schroeder and some of these little guys. But, uh, yeah, it could be a, a lethal combination. But, yeah, like you said, it's just no way it happens. And as, as many of these trades that we've been looking at, it's just so hard to find a, a package that makes sense for him. He's such a unique player, and he's getting paid so much. Right, so I'll go into the problems with it real quick. First off, Daryl Morey is going to want 
way too much in the first place. He is a tough cookie for sure. He's going to, and he's going to want either Tatum or Brown or the entire Celtics future. Um, then it goes into well, Paul, Paul, Pierce, Paul Pierce package. Yeah. Yeah. It, and then it goes into um, why would the Celtics trade with someone in the same division as them? Someone who they're probably going to see in the playoffs. They've seen in the, they've seen them in the playoffs. Like it seems like every year in the past five years. And I don't know. You don't really see that too often to where in the same, div- not, not even same conference, same division, two teams switch incredibly crucial parts of their team midseason. Um, and it'd be like, you're either trading the most important players on their team as the Celtics, or you're trading the, you know, with air quotes, heart and soul of the Celtics and Marcus Smart to our arch rivals, essentially. Uh, I don't see it happening. So... With that being said, that'll that'll flow us into some some Sixers talk. So before I ask you a couple questions on them, the Sixers are first in the East. I think possibly the best record. I haven't have a fact check that, but they're number one in offense in the entire NBA with no Ben Simmons. Um, how are you feeling about them? Yeah, this summer has been. Uh pretty harsh i went to uh went to six or seven of the nine home playoff games for the sixers last year so i was very much in it with them uh mm-hmm. went somehow avoided the game five hawk series collapse um just i had a, i had something to do that night and i didn't go and i was so grateful i didn't go it was, mm-hmm. it was a terrible night for me and then game seven i went to obviously uh yeah disappointing results so the whole summer has been sort of a a mess as a Sixers fan. Um, and then of course, just September, October comes around and uh, yeah, just an absolute mess in the media with Ben not wanting to come back to the team and his, him and his agency sort of leaking stuff to the press about how he doesn't want to play with Joel and the team didn't build around him. And it's just been a, it's been a whole mess, but uh, yeah, the eight and two start has been just about as good as I could hope. Um we're seeing we're seeing contributions up and down the roster, which is sort of as a fan, that's the stuff you love to see. Uh, just like, you know, guys on cheap contracts just doing really well, having fun, shooting threes. Furcon, Furcon, stellar. Furcon, stellar, exactly. So it's been. Uh, I was I was happy to be able to come on here and talk about our 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 first ranked offense in the whole league, but they're probably going to be down to third or fourth after tonight. So we'll see. Um, yeah, it's just been it's just been incredible. Um, shows you how good sort of Embiid is that he can just, you know, he pretty much can, you can put anyone around him and they're going to be at least above average on both ends of the floor. Uh, haven't had Tobias Harris for seven of the 11 games, I want to say. So um, yeah, I'm just kind of taking, taking games as they come, knowing that, uh, knowing they'll probably lose a bunch more than they're going to right now, but uh, yeah, we can go into individual guys, but uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been an awesome start to the season. So who has been the most exciting kind of role guy that you've been able to watch? Who's who's kind of, you know, tugged to your heart heartstrings a little more than the rest? Yeah, uh, Shake Milton's my favorite player on the team. Um, really? He's wow. he's had a he's had a bad he's had a bad he's had a bad start and had a bad he just had an overall bad season last year. So I'm kind of, I'm fading on him a little bit. Uh, Furcon is naturally the the most exciting guy to watch. Um, can can sort of go off at any point uh takes really tough threes hits them consistently um got really good at ball handling got really good at you know creating on a pick and roll which we sort of never saw at the beginning of his career so all those sort of developments have been great uh George Niang never never watched him play in Utah never really watched a Utah game because why would you watch a Utah game um yeah that's that's a Boston guy Boston guy right there. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, him. I think him and Andre Drummond, who are our two signings, are both from like the New England area or something. I heard that a bunch. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone's been playing great. Everyone's playing way, way too many minutes. Uh, Danny Green's like just had three or four pick and roll opportunities tonight, and it's just it's an abs- it's an absolute mess. I mean, we got guys yeah. dribbling who shouldn't be dribbling. Um, 
but yeah, I, I guess I'd go with Nyang just because I, I I didn't know how he played and uh, yeah, he's pretty versatile all around. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh he's kind of a really good fit for them. I I definitely see his minutes going down as Tobias Harris come comes back. It was surprising. I I didn't know that Tobias Harris had missed as many games as he had. Um, because man, that really shows they're depleted without him and without Ben, and they're still number one in offense. That it's great if you're a Sixers fan, but also screams a little bit of unsta- unsustainability there. Um, sure. and Furkan, you're right, looks looks a, a lot more developed and and just confident. Um, and then Shake Milton. I am personally also a, a pretty big fan of him, but I know someone who isn't a big fan of him that matters a lot is Doc Rivers. And he, whatever it is, seems like might, maybe it's a little attitude. Maybe it's a little, if he doesn't play for a little while, he comes in and he's not as ready as it could be, whatever the case is. He's a, like, Six five lead guard who can shoot the crap out of the ball and has just these like really broad shoulders and long arms that it's like okay this guy has a lot of potential not only sh- like being a lead ball creator but also defensively and then if you can shoot like that man that's kind of the package you want if you're a guard in today's NBA. Um, so yeah, sure. I mean Sixers guards have been. Sort of, I've had T.J. McConnell, Markel Fultz, and Ben Simmons over the last five or six years. So guys who aren't necessarily comfortable, you know, taking a screen and, and stepping back for three. And Shake was sort right. of the first guy to do that in a long time. And so I, I, um, I sort of went to him, and I've been a fan of his for a while. He uh, he had a 39 point game uh, about two seasons ago against the Clippers when Doc was coaching. And there's this sort of sort of a running joke that um, that was the season before Doc took the Sixers job that because Shake dropped 39 on him, uh, Doc saw Shake as this sort of Lou Will, Jamal Crawford type player coming off the bench and that, yeah. you know, sort of Doc wanted to mold him into that player. And he hasn't become that player since Doc, um, you know, got here, but he's slowly improving. He's on a great contract, second round pick. So, yeah, like you said, that the, the idea of him is great, 6'5" can shoot, can pass a little bit, good dribbler, strong, and yeah, could defend probably one through three. But uh, yeah, like you said, he's, he's got an attitude to him. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see if, if he sticks around for the long run. Definitely. Especially with Maxi's development, yeah. That's, that's another in, like crucial part of their team. Not only, not only does he have the uh, clutch sports connection, which is – kind of a big question mark you don't know what that means but it's it's there um he's he's probably their their most promising young guy what do you think about him yeah for sure i mean the clutch thing is funny uh just all summer sort of clutch uh i'm not going to curse on here clutch sort of destroying the sixers organization there was a rumor that that they wanted maxi gone as well and maxi said Maxie said, no, I love Philly. And uh, yeah, it's weird. Maxie sort of took his, his starting spot. Um, but if Ben wanted to come back, I'm sure Maxie's sort of his little brother in a sense. So that relationship mm-hmm. is really weird. But uh, yeah, Maxie was incredible in the playoffs last year. Uh, there was a game in Atlanta. I think it was game five. No one really had anything going. Shake was sort of out of the rotation and Maxie came in and just was a spark plug. Uh, his shooting is very up and down like any Sixers point guard shooting is um but yeah his his speed is incredible he can get to the rim whenever he wants um defensively he's gotten way better and so just like a lot of these young players it's just going to be coming down to to the shooting can he step back and can guys be forced to go over on pick and rolls i mean that's a huge thing guys go under pick and rolls and he still gets to the rim and he's he just turned 21 so i mean sky's sort of the limit but we've seen plenty of guys sort of not be able to to find their stroke from the outside and uh yeah i mean we'll see what happens with the ben trade at the beginning it was sort of like maxi was gonna be a uh a guy who would be sacrificed in a ben simmons trade and i know sixers fans would be would be super sad to see him go go on and become an all-star somewhere else as they will be when 
when Ben presumably moves on and maybe figures it out and becomes a better player. So, uh, yeah, Maxie's got incredible potential. He's 21. I mean, he's younger than me and you. So as a lot mm-hmm. of these guys are, so we'll have to see yeah. with these, these Sixers point guards, they're kind of, they're a dime a dozen. Yeah. You definitely have a man, a variety in the point guards. And I, I think Maxie's, I know Ben is uh, probably like one in a 10 year talent for any team. But I probably I like Maxi and his development. I like his fit better with Ben. Um, you know, my one of my favorite trainers to watch on YouTube was Tim Martin, who is Maxi's trainer. Um, he's a guy that made his floater as amazing as it is now. And the the biggest step in his development is what you said. It's just being able to shoot that ball from deep. Because if they go they go over, he's getting downhill profusely. Um, but, you know, the, with the Sixers, is So is he – hold up. Is he not a – I always see Maxie with Ben at, like, Chris Johnson, I think it's called. Yeah, Chris Johnson is kind of like – like some the, guys work out with two guys. Like he's, he's just the Instagram celebrity guy, I guess. Lakers yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's only four or five trainers, trainers, and then I see some guys working out with two or three of them, and I'm just like, what is what is going on here? But yeah, I've seen, I've seen. <laughs> he's just kind of, oh, you're in LA, come get a workout in with me. I don't know if he has guys consistently like that now. Yeah. Um, but I, he's a guy that's supposed to be working on Ben Simmons' jump shot, and you know, with plenty, that being plenty said, of guys have been doing that for sure. I mean, you, I mean. Drew Hanlon was the guy who was supposed to fix Markel's jump shot. So, I mean, every, every trainer has taken, has taken a turn with these Sixers point guards. I don't think anyone can fix them. So, Yeah. I mean, if the shooting problems in the person's brain, that's pretty hard to fix. For I sure. Think. No, no, it's totally not Drew's fault, but. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, totally. So that'll just move us into Ben Simmons trades. Like people have been thinking about these, been going on trade machines for months now and figuring out. And it seems like the options get less and less as the days go on. So we'll go like back and forth here. What's your first one? I mean, I'm just pretty much going to let you run, uh, run with it. I, I, I'm so sort of uh, exhausted with the, with the trade scenarios. I can. Um, yeah. Why don't we just discuss your first one, which is uh, the Kings one. Why don't we go with that one? Sure. Yeah. So my first trade is, is Ben Simmons. And then for a little salary filler, shake oh, Milton. Just for salary filler? That's my heart. That's my heart right there, Kyle. Some, some attractive salary filler. I'll give you that. And, and you know, a distressed no, asset. I don't, I don't no. care about I don't care about the second guys in all these trades. It's fine. We can, we can settle. So, so Ben Simmons, shake Milton to the Kings for De'Aaron Fox and then another distressed asset in Marvin Bagley. What do you think about it? Yeah, I I watched a lot of De'Aaron Fox last season. Just couldn't believe his improvement as a shooter uh, turned into a guy that you really had to sort of go over on pick and rolls. Um, and yeah, looked like a guy that could take that jump into becoming, you know, he's already sort of the athlete that, that superstars need to be, but um, could he become that shooter? Uh, I like his game a lot. Apparently he's been terrible this year. I was I was yeah. listening to a, a podcast. I think it was like yeah. Duncan and Hollinger, and they said they said De'Aaron was just absolutely terrible. And I don't. Yeah, I looked at his stats. They seem reasonably fine, but uh, yeah, he's obviously an incredible player. Um, just signed his max rookie extension probably last year, so he's got he's got a bunch of years left. Uh, yeah, he's a year in front of Ben, so yeah, that would have been last year yeah I like it a lot I mean he's a great player um he'll come to Philly and forget how to shoot if he already knows how to shoot um so that'll be an interesting thing we'll have another point guard who can't shoot um yeah but uh um, yeah I think what it's do you think a good about fit. Bagley what do you think about Bagley I really haven't watched him since college really um okay okay yeah, I don't have I don't have strong opinions. Obviously, I saw that sort of agent thing where his agent came out and said it's it's BS that he's not in the rotation. Is he is he not in the rotation? It's 
So he's uh, Let's see what all you got to know game. is he was picked in front of Luka Doncic, and now he gets he. I don't think he's Trae Young, played Trae more Young, than five yeah. minutes in a game this year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What do you think of him? Obviously, more of a traditional big. Uh, reminded me of Jaleel Okafor a little bit in college. Mm. Just the the Duke big who can't can't really defend, doesn't really have a position, can't shoot. I just I don't I don't know what those bigs are good for yeah. anymore. You're right. He's his shot has been up and down. Um, he and his position has been the biggest, biggest struggle for him. We we talk about um, pos- this new positionless basketball that is played nowadays, where there's small ball this and and multi positional that. And Bagley is a tweener who isn't a center because he's too small and can't defend anything that's over two hundred fifty pounds. And then he's not a four because he can't shoot and he can't stretch the floor. And he was when he's out in the perimeter, he looks lost. Um, I think he's the biggest, uh, you know, culprit of bad situation, bad fit, distressed asset. Um, I think if he goes to to Philly, I don't know if the fit's much better, but I think it's just a change of scenery. And it's at the end of the day, it's a number two overall talent. So that's something to develop. Um, I know Andre Drummond isn't the most long-term option in terms of a big off the bench. So um, there's some potential there. Joel's long-term backup. I like it. You're selling me. You know, he's looked good this year. I'm not going to lie. He's, uh, he's kind of just his, like, his, like, stepbrother coming off the bench. Just do the same thing, same yeah. coverages. Yeah, I was just uh, – the second trade you proposed is uh, Ben Simmons for C.J. McCollum. Uh, salaries are about equal, and then two first-round picks coming back to the Sixers. I joked that I wanted a different guard coming back in the trade, and that would be Anthony Simons. But, um, no, I, uh, Damian Lillard, obviously the guy the Sixers won, and yeah. uh, Portland obviously not willing to part ways with them. C.J.'s had an incredible start to the season. Um, shooting the hell out of the ball and uh when when they came to philly a few uh about about a week ago they cj and dame didn't perform too well but uh yeah i think this trade this trade sort of makes sense um daryl morey has come out and said that he's not willing to trade ben unless it's for a uh, a game changer as he calls it um this was pretty much the biggest game changer that's on the market um right. And you look at how well they're doing, the Sixers are in this regular season. And I know it's sort of, it's, um, it's not sustainable for sure. But uh, yeah, it's tough to, it's tough to not want some of these, these great players and just add them to this team that's doing so well already and just get something for them. But uh, yeah, I think, I think Daryl's gonna, gonna hold out for a little bit. What do you think of the, uh, what do you think of the Ben and Dame fit? In Portland, that's a great question. I think it'd be, I think it'd be a really good fit. Honestly, it just has to be Ben Simmons with a, oh, I'm in a new situation. I'm gonna have a new attitude, and maybe he plays a little more off the ball. Maybe he turns into a a slashing forward who can push the break, more of like a Draymond Green type of player. Um. I at the same time, I kind of I kind of sense that he wants to be on a bad team where he gets the ball all the time because he wants to be LeBron and he's kind of got that like diva ego mindset. Um, you know, if you look at the lineup, it would be like Damian Lillard, uh, Simons, you know, Covington, him and Nurkic. I like it. I like it. I think it's better than the team they are now. And if I'm the Trailblazers, I think they've capped out on as good as they can become with CJ and Dame. And making a switch like this would extend their window of of possible winning. Maybe we can develop Ben. We can make him into a, a, a transcendent wing type player. And we still have Dame, who we know can take us to the conference finals at the minimum. Um, so I like the fit. I like it. You feel the same way or no? 
Yeah, I think uh, putting Ben with with a guard who can really score the ball is, is a good fit regardless. Um, wouldn't say it's as natural as maybe Ben and Steph together, uh, Steph being such an off-ball type of player. But Dane plays with CJ. He plays with with Simons, as we said. So he's sort of used to having to, sh- to share the ball with other guards. I think it, it could make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I wonder just CJ and Dame being together for so damn long. Um, Dame coming out and saying he's he's committed to the city and he doesn't know what you know how rewarding it would be to win a ring in another city and it just seems like all signs are pointing to him staying. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know if Dame goes to them and asks them to trade the, his his buddy away. I know him and CJ are close friends, so. For that reason, All I right. think it's probably more hypothetical than than reality. It's a good point. I'm sure Portland is trying to make Dame as happy as possible. I don't know if trading away CJ for Ben's really making him any happier, unless the basketball translates to winning. So, sure. Ben Simmons, um, the most over-talked nope. about player this entire <laughs> offseason, the last thing I want to hear on podcasts when I listen to him now, when I do I want to talk about it myself? Yeah, I have my opinions about it and I'm I'm ready to say it, but man, it's he's uh the topic has been exhausted to say the least. So yeah. with that being said, if, yeah, I was you got, say, got anything to finish it off? Yeah, I don't know if you saw uh Simmons and Rosolo together. They were they were saying as a has a I think it was those two. They were saying has has a has a worse player ever been talked about more on like in the news know, than this I know. guy, and it's um, it Stephon is truly Marbury, remarkable. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's what they said. So yeah, yeah, let's let's uh, let's move on for sure. Yeah, I think I think Ben Simmons is better than Stefan, but but nonetheless, we'll we'll keep it rolling. Um, so we talked about Philly, Philly and your team, and now we're gonna move on to. Uh, my hometown, Boston, with the Celtics. That's right. Um, just off the top, I think they are they're like four and five right now. Um, a lot of turmoil in these first 10 or so games. A lot of turmoil. Um, I did go to probably their worst game of the season last Monday Bulls? against the Bulls. Yeah. Bulls. I was going to guess that the 41 to 13 fourth quarter or whatever that was that was that was rough let me tell you like to be to be in the guard for that and then to also just as a Celtics fan watch that happen in the fourth quarter after they were playing so well was just brutal and you know you got to give Chicago their props they're a good team um I don't want to go on too much of a tangent about him but DeMar DeRozan if he gets that mid-range going man it is that they're tough they're tough to guard they just got a lot of they got a lot of guys you're worried about like as a, as a Sixers fan you always look at the other team and who can we hide Seth Curry on and that's yeah. a team. that that's a team and you guys don't really have sort of those guards that you need to hide guys on but Mm-hmm. that's a that's a team where you look and you say Seth Curry we can't hide them really on anyone um yeah Sixers beat them twice but yeah they are they are tough to guard for sure I know and hey I loved watching Caruso just pick up anyone full court and yeah he's one of my favorite players but anyway um yeah Celtics but what what did you see and what did you see in that game I guess in the fourth quarter I don't that wasn't necessarily the game that uh that Marcus Smart was upset with. Uh, I think it was. I think that. I think, I think it was. That was. That was the game. I think it was. So what What did you see from your perspective? I guess about about their two stars and and passing or or not passing enough. Yeah, it was. It just brought up the same question that Celtics fans have been kind of wondering, thinking in the back of their mind is like, can Tatum and Brown play together? Are they redundant? Do they need? different fits around them to maximize their both unique and high level talent. Um, And the thing is, I'm a Jalen Brown guy, personally, he's been my favorite player for a long time and he's only improved every year. It was always Tatum was going to be the guy. He's a little bigger. He's a 
higher pick in the draft. He's got a bigger name, et cetera, et cetera. He had a better season last year. But Jalen Brown is really good. And he is – his biggest thing is he is engaged all the time. When, when he gets the ball, usually it's a quick move and go. While Tatum, it's kind of the Harden phenomenon in that players sit and watch him bing, 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 sidestep. If he makes it, it's awesome. If he misses, it looks terrible. And in that six, in that um, game against the Bulls, Jalen Brown was going off. He, he had 27 points by 10 minutes in the third quarter, and they were up 20. And then the fourth quarter comes along. Jalen, uh, Jason Tatum gets his, his time without JB on the court at the beginning of the fourth to get, get going, make sure both players get the ball. He's ice cold. JB comes in. He's like, oh, I'm still hot. And then it's just iso ball. And that was the epitome of like, damn, do these guys want to pass? When they're missing, it looks awful. And they had a 20-point lead disappear, and they lost by 17 or something. And you're like, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? Um, yeah, it's interesting. I also think it's, it's people like just early season hot takes. People take way too much, you know, real estate in these early season things. And you just got to let it let time time pass. Um, as a Celtics fan, I'm not too worried, but I wish I would have been better so far. Yeah, is it uh, is it sort of like 48 minutes or at point guard or going to Marcus and, and Dennis Schroeder? Or how exactly do you see sort of the, the point guard situation happening? Because like we've mentioned earlier, if, if, if those two just had more of a traditional point guard, maybe things could be uh, smoothed out a little bit. So is that sort of the, is it just those two playing? playing point most of the game yeah that's that's a good question um i'm guessing jay rich and peyton pritchard i don't know if he's healthy probably those two are getting some ball but yeah my first answer was i wish they got lonzo yeah. my second answer is peyton pritchard because i'm just a huge peyton pritchard guy he he's kind of that guy who will run the offense and then can sit in the corner and spot up and hit a three like from 40 percent um, just sucks. He's like, you know, small white dude. So they're like, ah, you know, we got Dennis here. We got to give him his shine. It's his free agent year. So he's probably going to want, if he's, he's going to get really upset if he doesn't play. Um, and then Marcus is just like, not a traditional point guard. He's not that like, let me run the offense and get every, everything involved. Let me get everything going because then you pass to him and he might jack up a 30 footer with 20 seconds to go on the shot clock. And you're like, why do we let this guy bring up the ball? Um, man, I, if, if, if I had to say, I think, I think it's, it's gotta be Marcus at the one, but their offense going through Al Horford in the high post and having a lot more off-ball movement and having Big Al make decisions over anyone else. Because he's their best power sitter on the team. Just sucks he's a center. So, yeah, they got a lot of point guard issues. Yeah, I think uh, obviously this is not Brad Stevens' team anymore, but under under his under his guidance, the point guards have sort of thrived. As obviously, Isaiah Thomas had his, his best seasons in – in Boston Green, and then Kyrie did obviously really well in, in that system. Um, probably forget it. Kemba did obviously great in that system as well. So um, curious what you're seeing from the new coach. I actually texted my friend over the summer. I watched the new coach. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm not even going to attempt it. Uh, he was getting sort of a – he was getting interviewed. To, uh, Brad was introducing him to the team, and I was reading up on him and just how all the players loved him from, from USAB and was an assistant everywhere. And uh, yeah, I, I wrote in the notes that I think I, th I thought they would get sort of a new coach bump where, you know, a new coach comes in and re-inspires all these players, you know, starts running, running different sets, maybe gets everyone involved in a different way than, than Brad was. Um, curious what you're seeing from him 
maybe X's and O's, but even just what are what are guys saying about uh about his style? I know he had a relationship with Tatum uh, previously, so I guess I'm curious how how that relationship's going. Yeah, I expected that new coach bump as well, but then I I, I think about it, uh, and that that new coach bump really only occurs if a head coach comes in who has previous head coaching experience, who has an identity, a proven offense, a defensive identity, ready to be established immediately. And when you have a new head coach who hasn't been a head coach ever in his career, you know, it takes some time for him to figure it out, figure out what works, what do I want to do, what works best for me as well as the group that I have in place. And I think he's still figuring that out, which sucks kind of as a Celtics fan that you got to say, uh, we got to just eat these, you know, struggling first couple weeks because he's a new guy, but that's what it's going to take. And um, I'm, I'm not going to write him off for, I'll, you know, I'll give him 50 games or something. I'll give him to the all-star break. But I will say the offense under Brad looked a lot more crisp. Looked like there was a lot more movement, which is necessary when you have two heavy scorers in Brown and Tatum. The biggest worry for me was the defense. Prior to their trip to Florida, where they beat Orlando and Miami, they were last in the league in defense. How can you be last in the league in defense when you have the personnel they have? Marcus Smart, Al Hor, like Rob Will, they should yeah, no, be a top no five reason, defense. No excuses there, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's – I think that was probably something Marcus was talking about in uh, – their players only meeting, whatever happened the day after Marcus said those comments. Um, you know, I don't want to talk about that too much, but I will say if you read the whole clip, Marcus is very nice in what he says. He's very diplomatic and very thoughtful in it when people just aggregate, ag aggregate that. And they just say, oh, they're that is so, dude, that is so true. I, I, so in preparation for this, I went and watched the interview. And it's just, yeah, it's crazy how a line on a phone, just like a few words, just, I mean, it happens. Every player gets aggregated and it's just like, you can tell in the interview, he cares about his guys, yeah. but it's just, it's not how it reads on Twitter. And uh, exactly. that, yeah. was, that was interesting to see. Yeah. And that's, that's just a bigger philosophical thing about, you know, headline culture and, and yeah. social media and whatnot, but. If you if you cared about it, if you were kind of a you know care about the Celtics, you would look a little, you know, squint your eyes a little more and look a little deeper into it. Yeah, it's no big deal. And then they go on to beat the Heat by twenty, who the who was the best team in the league at that point. And I'm like, wow, I don't know what to feel about the Celtics team. So it'll be interesting. I'll be watching. You know, it'll be interesting to see uh, who comes out of you know, what they do and in, in, in terms of their future. And I'll say this, I, I really hope they don't get Ben Simmons. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I guess Horford is the only guy to match, right? I mean, that's, that's what we came down to. It's just, it, obviously Tatum, Brown are staying put. So it's gotta be Horford. And if it's not, then it's probably not happening. Yeah. So there has been a couple, you know, a few things that's changed in the NBA seasons um, so far. Um, I know with with Mikey in, the, in our first pod, we talked a little about a little bit about rule changes and um, just minor adjustments that the NBA has made in their in their product and their game. Um, so, have you looked into those? Um, what have you noticed so far? What do you think about what's been going on in that sense? Yeah, so I obviously watched Joel Embiid every game. He's been consistently first or second in free throw attempts in the last few years. As you and should. My, and my favorite player in the NBA is, has been first in the league for probably a decade. That's James Harden. Um, so I watched this situation pretty closely. Two other guys that I love are, are Trey Young and Chris Paul, obviously. I mean, these are 
these are some of the best players in the league. So these aren't, these aren't crazy takes, but yeah, those four guys specifically are four guys that, that do a great job of, of drawing contact and, you know, playing the tricks of the trade. So um, I've been super interested in how they've been calling things. Uh, I've been sort of sad to see Harden, um, you know, performing so poorly. And part of that has to do with his, his injury recovery. And then partially, I think the refs have probably been a little bit unfair to him. Um, and he's fat. <laughs> he's a little fat. He's a little fat. He's been fat before and, and played, played well. So I try to take that with a grain of salt, but yeah, he's, he's starting to heat up a little bit. He had a better game yesterday. So uh, yeah, it's just the, the game has changed a ton. Um, offense is way down. And I think that's probably because, you know, defenses are allowed to just, they're allowed to just play with more contact. Um, and I don't, I don't dislike it. It's just sort of a, it's a change in how you watch the game and guys just aren't probably going to average 30 set hard and average 36 three years ago. That just probably can't happen anymore, unfortunately. And uh, everyone's complaining. Every starter, every all-star level guy is just complaining because there's so much contact right now. Um, it seems like you enjoy, it seems like you're enjoying the, uh, the product. Is that, is that the case? Yeah. Um, it definitely creates more flow in the in, in the game um, with less whistles. There's just more continuous back and forth, which I think results in a better product for the NBA. Absolutely. Um, you know, complaining. The, the NBA guys complain no matter what they could call everything. They could call nothing. They're going to be crying all game because they, have always been the best players and have always gotten the best, gotten the calls. So that's kind of just what they expect. And I don't know if technical fouls have increased, but that's just something the refs got to deal with. And um, in terms of certain, certain attributes to these rules, you know, the, uh, the shot fake defender um, jumps and then the D Wade lean in bump shot, I thought personally, I've tried to do that in, in a college game before and, you know, didn't get that called and was like, but I made the move and I made the defender make a mistake. Why exactly. should they get rewarded exactly. for that? Exactly. But at the same point, you up faked, okay, he lifted. If you initiate it as an offensive player, I, I can kind of get that, why, why they don't call that. Um, I can see um, you mentioned the stopping in front of a defender as a guard who just finds some lumbering big going down in transition will just fall in front of them. Honestly, I think that's just guards wanting to seem smart and like, look at my IQ. I did this. But in reality, it's uh, come on, you're flopping. You, no way you're like. I see Chris Paul look back and see ah oh, Zubach is going slow down the court. Let me let me run into him. But there is some strategy in it. Like Trey Young will go and he'll get contact and he'll buck his head back. Like he has trained to do that. He had this. I mentioned him earlier in the podcast, but his trainer uh, Tim Martin from Texas, um, same trainer as as Maxi. He'll teach him to do that. He's like, okay, once you lower your shoulder into him, if you get hit, just buck your head back. If you're light in a guard, that should be a foul because they're initiating contact. That's IQ. So it was just kind of finding a balance in that for sure. Yeah, what, if, yeah. what, what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I definitely hear your point. I mean, ultimately, the league can do whatever the league wants to do. As, as like a Chris Paul fan, I mean, the reason I'm – the, re the reason I'm sort of interested in him as a player is that sort of mentality that that brain that he has. And yeah, I just stopping in front of a defender to me, I look at it as um, I just look at it as a strategy and I just look at it like guys have to be aware when they're on the court and don't run over other players. And, and that's, that's a thing where um, yeah, I don't, it, it's probably not the right thing. It's not the most fair thing. I mean, CP's had had ho some horrible offenses of sort of strategy. I remember he had he had he had Carl Anthony Towns called out for a delay of game 
a few years yeah. ago because he had his untucked shirt. Like he, like I, that stuff is kind of is kind of overboard. Um, but yeah, like you were saying with the up fake, I think if you're smart enough and a good enough player to, you know, force the defender to make a play he doesn't want to make a play on, sort of thing, I, I think it's it's fair to allow them to, for that call to be a foul. Um, the Harden sort of. Um, you know, reaching up and, and grabbing someone else's arm. Yeah. I just I just genuinely look at it like, you know, you don't have to play the Josh Hart defense with arms behind your back, but you, you can't have your hand in the cookie jar. And how many times has that phrase been used in the last 10 years? And I just, I, I, I can't believe we're never going to, we're probably never going to say that phrase again, because it doesn't seem like they're giving the, the cookie jar fouls anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's just finding a balance in refereeing between what what is a natural st strategic part of the game and what is the offense initiating the defense into doing something that is unnatural you know you see it in in football or, or basketball whatever like a natural basketball move or a natural football move um i think they just got to figure out how they want to referee that one thing i will say is in transition when a guy sees a guy starting a fast break and he just goes up and slaps him in the chest and they call it a, a common foul, pull it out on the side, pass it in. And I watched that three, four, five times and a half. It's destroying the product. Where's, where's the rule change in that? I need, I need to see that be an intentional foul and a free throw on the ball. So people won't do that anymore. It, like the people are paying a lot of money to watch the best athletes in the world run up and down a basketball court in transition and show off their athleticism. Well, they did it in FIBA. They got rid of it. They, they started to move into the way of FIBA in terms of making it more physical. Where Where's the NBA in yeah, terms of getting rid of this fast break foul? Yeah, it's coming. I saw Steve Kerr comment on how that's the next thing that's coming. And Mike Breen on a Knicks uh, broadcast, he complained about it. He was complaining about it again tonight. Um, it's definitely coming next. Uh, you're losing. Yeah, you're just losing so many dunks, so many highlights. Um, I'm curious as, as a as a basketball player like yourself, like how do you sort of legislate if if I'm a defender and I let a guy get down to the paint and then I foul him? Is that I mean, that's essentially the same sort of take foul. It's just closer to the rim i'm just i don't i don't know how you yeah i'm curious how you'd legislate it where's sort of the where's the boundary of sort of when it's just a, a shooting foul even and when it's sort of a uh, a take foul i guess yeah it's tough it's uh you know with fouls it's it's a gray it's not black and white which is unfortunate it's a, it's a judgment call um in terms of the fast break there is, there is obviously someone grabbing someone and being like, oh, put their, they put their hand up immediately and they're like, yep, that was me. I'm showing I was smart that I stopped that fast break. That's obvious when, when they're doing that. And I think that should be whistle, X, intentional foul, same as a flagrant one. And they get the ball, they get a free throw and they get the ball back. In terms of like, yeah. whether you're asking get into the paint, um, I think that's subjective and you gotta, you gotta look at it case by case. Yeah. There's, there's some hilarious ones where uh, a stronger player will get by a weaker player. Seth Curry does this a lot because he can't run back on defense and he'll raise his hand and he'll take the foul. And it's just like, like we're saying, it's, it's pun it's, it's punishing the team with the ball. Um, and it reminds me of soccer a ton because in soccer, you, you can't afford to do that. And mm -hmm. if the if the attacking player is able to get by the defensive player, um, they'll play an advantage and and it's just not worth it. Um, so what so soccer players do is they just they make sure the ball gets out of bounds, basically. They make sure the play's dead and they get a yellow card. But yeah, it's the same sort wow. of situation where um, especially, especially if the dribbler is able to get by the defender. I mean, why why punish the uh the dribbler I, I definitely think that's coming next and then the last thing I noticed was just uh you see it a lot in playoff basketball um right when the regular season turns to the playoffs um you have plays where dribblers are able to beat their defender to the spot 
the defender's late and he like hip checks them like like they go hip to hip and sometimes the offensive player is able to still get by him um but yeah, it's just the defender getting late to the spot and i'm noticing they're calling it this year sort of like they do in the playoffs which is we can't call hip we can't sort of call those 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 ticky tack ones every time and uh yeah guys are guys are frustrated and i'm, I'm curious to see Curious to see if it elevates, you know, defensive players, more athletic players. It just makes them more important because you're basically allowed to, you're allowed to body guys way more than you used to. Yeah, that definitely helps out um, more physical players. Um, I know when I was playing something I really took pride in was defense. And I knew if I, I, I was going to slide and be able to at least be there I, I don't know if I would be in front but if there's a quicker defender I could get there and then I could just chest up and I could really initiate the contact with my chest and bump them out of the spot and then I'm back in front and if defenders can do that it's it's going to be tougher to get to the basket draw to kick break down the defense do all that so I enjoy it I think it Offensive players are so creative. They're just going to be able to counter it. It's just about who can figure it out, who can do it sooner, who can do it faster, and who can do it better. So I, I like that call for sure that they're not doing that. So you got anything else? Any last things? Oh, looking forward to uh, the rest of the season when Ben Simmons is traded, um, whether that's next year, this year, or in five years. I hope you bring me back on and uh, we'll discuss the new fit. Absolutely. Um, I think we'll keep this going. You know, I'm trying to get as many different conversations going here as possible. And the NBA is something I can talk about all day long. So for sure. All right, Jared. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on.